Holy Hour of Power, the Terry and Jesse Show. This is UFC Catholicism, <laughs> Ultimate Faithful Fighting Catholics, and we are both reporting for duty. Terry, what about you? I'm reporting to duty, Jesse. I always love to be able to share the gospel with good people, and I tell people, Jesse, we have 200 funerals here at our chapel. I've got a, a horrible situation where a, a father committed suicide with four little children. The mom is there with the kids. Uh, these are things we need to pray for because people lose the meaning and purpose of life and they just want to check out. And many times when they check out, their problem is just passed on to the family and it's very difficult. So let's keep that in mind. But just today's uh, show, I'm going to announce something about reparation for the deposit of faith later. But I want to say that we're going to be following the money. In other words, this title is Serving a Woke God More Powerful Than Money. Uh, it's a great interview, a great article that we're going to cover. And then the second article is outstanding because it's the this author new book presents evidence that Pope Francis used the family senate to steer the church to accept homosexuality. And what's interesting, Jesse, is he names all the people, places, documents at all. And, you know, this is another reason for us to be praying for our leaders in our church uh, for the deposit of faith. So we're going to get to that. Uh, Jesse, a, a good-to-know file. Check this out, brother. A tiny little country of Croatia ordained 45 new priests as we in the United States' vocations, you know, number remained dismal. I mean, Jesse, we got places like um, Rochester, New York, zero. Syracuse, New York, one. Buffalo, one ordination last year. San Diego, okay, large diocese. It's hardly got any either. Jeez, it's it just showing me that what Bishop Strickland has done in Tyler, think about this, Jess, he's got 21 seminarians. If he was the L.A. diocese and they used the proportion to number of Catholics in the diocese, he, he, uh, L.A. would have, uh, have 2,200 seminarians. We could never even wow. feed them. See, the point of it is he's doing a stellar job, and he's under investigation, and I think we've come up, Jess, you and I, with a solution to help Holy Mother the Church through the prayers that you have put together. Plus, we're going to show how people can participate in what Fulton Sheen said, who's going to save the church. He says the laity are going to save the church. So we'll get to that a little bit later. Just that, my, So my good news story is, in Croatia, they've got vocations coming out, and it's just, what are they doing right? What they're doing right is they're proclaiming the deposit of faith. That's right. Let me uh, sh let me share some good news. I like Today, it. Let me share today's responsorial psalm. It's from the book of it. This is good news to proclaim today. Think about Daniel, the prophet. He was, uh, uh, you know, he was. Uh, he, there was a decree that he could not pray. Religious liberty was taken away when he was a captive at right. Babylon. Right. Then he was also thrown later on into a in, in, into a. Uh, 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 a pit with a bunch of lions, <laughs> and the lion and the lions didn't do anything to him. They, so th this is the prayer of Daniel, and this is a good prayer for all of us today, maybe to say once or twice, because oftentimes we could focus just on the bad news, mm. and uh, let's let's focus on the good news, like Daniel the prophet. Here's what he says: Yes, glory and praise forever. Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of our fathers praiseworthy and exalted above all forever and blessed is your holy and glorious name praiseworthy and exalted above all for all the ages 
Blessed are you in the temple of your holy glory, praiseworthy and glorious above all forever. Blessed are you on the throne of your kingdom, praiseworthy and exalted above all forever. Blessed are you who look into the depths from your throne upon the cherubim, praiseworthy and exalted above all forever. Blessed are you in the firmament of heaven, praiseworthy and glorious forever. Uh, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. That, those are the type of prayers we need oh, to be yeah. saying every day oh, yeah. to get refocused because <laughs> Daniel, he was also going through bad government, yep. bad uh, leadership in, 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 in the Old Testament sure. people of God, yep. uh, uh, religious persecution, political persecution. Sound familiar? And, and what came and what came out of his mouth? Yep. What I just shared with you. And that's what we need to do, Jess. Good point. Yeah. Yep. All right, we got some you, soul food, or you got more good news? Or no, no. You uh, one more thing about one more good news, and I want to hear about uh, okay this uh, plan. All right, here's here's the ultimate good news. The ultimate good news. Every one of us is going to die. We all know that. Our heart's going to stop. <laughs> exactly. We were born into a fallen world, destined for damnation, uh, and people don't. We don't have to suffer. This is the good news that we don't have to suffer an eternity without God because God himself has provided himself as the savior. So the good news is, is that the son of God came down from heaven and injected himself into human space and history and time. And he, and he opened up an emergency hatch for us. We have a way out of eternal damnation. We have a savior who can bring us to salvation. It's through the cross. Those who abide in Jesus will be saved. Those who do not abide in Jesus will be damned. So the heart of the good news is simply this, is that salvation can be had by each person, but while God loves us unconditionally, uh, you know, but God does not save us unconditionally. Right. Did you catch that? Yes. Good. God loves us unconditionally, but God does not save us unconditionally. It salvation requires our human cooperation. And that means repenting. That means turning away from sin. I mean, all sin and receiving the sanctifying grace that makes us grow in holiness and gives us the strength to walk through this valley of tears. Terry, that's well said, Jesse. Well, before we get the gospel, I want to just mention, uh, Jess and I have been talking about what can we do for Holy Mother, the church that could be a universal thing to pray. And what we came up with is we know that the deposit of faith is being attacked. Look at Bishop Strickland. He's He's the guy that promotes the deposit of faith every week here on Virgin Most Powerful. He sends out tweets, and he's under investigation for that. So we have leadership in our church that is weak. We're going to talk about that early, later in the show. So what do we do? Do we just complain? No. We do what Bishop Sheen said back in 72, 73. We've quoted it. He said, who's going to save the church? The laity's going to save the church. So what we're going to do is we're going to call our bishops, our priests, the Vatican, to fidelity to a promise they made. Many of them who are priests made a promise that they would proclaim the deposit of faith. And we're going to hold them to that by making prayers and reparation for that, praying that they will return to the deposit of faith. Now, we're going to have our first conference here at the Sacred Heart Chapel the, uh, uh, September 2nd from 12 noon to 3 o'clock. Why is that? Just made a good point. Start with the Angelus at 12. In with the, in with the Chapel of Divine Mercy. We're going to have saying prayers. We got Doug Berry involved with a video that he's going to put together. Jess is putting something together for us on video so that you, our listener, can participate in the salvific work of Christ with these prayers. 
Do it at home. Do it at your Bible study group, your rosary group. You know, have a conference. Show these videos. They're going to be available. Everything's going to be free. You can download the PDF that Jess put together on prayers of reparation. Why are we doing this? Because we're under siege. The Catholic Church lost a half a million people just in Germany. Is that good news? I don't think so. So I think we have to go back to that one holy Catholic and apostolic church which teaches the deposit of faith. And anybody from the top to the bottom who doesn't do that, we call them humbly to return to the deposit of faith. Many of the priests that are ordained made that promise, all of them. And if they're not going to keep it, I would do the same thing. Jess Romero's married. I'm married. I made a promise to be faithful to my wife. If I fail, I want Jesse calling me to say, Terry, knock it off. Get back to your wife. Jesse, knock it off. Why am I saying that? Because we make promises. They're serious promises. Our salvation is tied into it. And Jesse, let's be honest. The, when these priests and bishops and hierarchy face God and they've turned away from their promise of the deposit of faith, it doesn't look good. Objectively, it looks like they're going to hell. So what can we do to help protect them from going to hell? Pray prayers of reparation for their conversion. Jess, your take? That's right. Uh, and Terry, uh, especially invoking right now, St. Father to be a patron saint of parish priests, pray for us. Uh, let me just share the gospel real quick. Yes, sir. The disciples approached Jesus and said, Why do you speak to the crowd in parables? He said to them in reply, Because knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven has been granted to you, but to them it has not been granted. To anyone who has, more will be given, and he will grow rich. From anyone who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because they look but do not see and hear, but do not listen or understand. Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in them, which says, You shall indeed hear, but not understand. You shall indeed look, but never see. Gross is the heart of this people. They will, they will hardly hear with their ears. Uh, they have closed their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and be converted, and I heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. Amen, I say to you. Many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Just the only thing I'll say is on parables, mm -hmm. is the parables were understood by God's faithful, by those yeah. that were living in a state of grace, by the simple, by the rank and file, by the Joe six-pack in the pew. They understand what Jesus meant. You know who didn't understand parables? Mm -hmm. Parables? The establishment. Mm -hmm. Those in leadership. They were they they had ears, but they couldn't hear what Christ said. And uh, in the Old Testament, the Jewish prophets would start speaking in parables when the when the authority became corrupt. Wow! When we come back, wow! You know what, Jesse? This is unbelievable uh, that we as lay people can participate in the salvific work of Jesus Christ through our prayer life. Everybody can participate in it. So. Stay with us on that. We come back serving a woke God more powerful than money. Oh yeah, we're gonna uh, we're gonna talk about that topic with uh, John Corbett. His article. Stay with us. We'll be back. Serving a woke God more powerful than money, it prepared people for the dreaded Pride Month in June, which many corporate firms promoted 
They promoted the pro-LGBTQ products and their events, targeting all ages, even toddlers. Consumers reacted with unexpected rage and vigor that impacted corporate bottom lines. Most executives knew there were risks in these, involved in these decisions, and they paid the consequence anyhow. For example, the Bud Light debacle featuring a transsexual influencer resulted in multi-billion dollar share value losses. Always politically correct, Target also offended countless shoppers by highlighting its LGBTQ-friendly product lines, including children's clothes and even a partnership with an openly satanic designer. Finally, the Dodgers baseball team struck out with Catholic fans by first disinviting and then deciding to pay tribute to the blasphemous, what I would call, sissies of perpetual indulgence, a group of transvestite men dressing garishly as nuns. All these mishaps have resulted in financial, substantial financial losses. The standard commentary is that these corporate giants miscalculated the impact of these actions and products upon the customers in their zeal to broaden their markets. Why? Well, it's the God of money. St. Paul says, the love of money is the root of all evil. Such an explanation only gives part of the story. The reaction was indeed strong. However, multi-billion dollar companies do not become big by making foolish calculations like these. (laughs) They have the world's best marketing departments that track every product and know their target audience as well. Mistakes of this magnitude do not fit into the logic of their standard operating procedures. A more reasonable explanation is a shift in priorities. Amen. The corporate world used to worship at the altar of the God of money. Everything was exclusively oriented towards garnering the greatest market share, increasing stockholder value, and making huge profits. Those who failed could expect the swift and radical sanctions reserved for all those who offended this God of mammon by losing money. But a profound change is shaking corporate America and the future does not look good. Terry, you want to... Yeah, I will continue. And you know, Jesse, this is what shows put these people are all about. Uh, They don't care. Look what Budweiser has lost so many billions of dollars and they're still saying, yep, we're going to do what we're going to do. So the evidence of the program shift is strong. If the pro-LGBTQ friendly uh, products were uh, mal-calculations, those worshiping at the altar of money, well, they would immediately stop promoting these offensive items and, and the actions. To rebuild trust, they would apologize to the offended customer who is king and always right. So there you go. It's not that about that. However, such actions are not happening. Some more offensive products are being withdrawn or relocated in stores, but many others remain. Most companies involved in these controversies are not apologizing, but justifying their choices. Some are even doubling down on their mistakes with utter disregard for the bottom line. See, they're really committed to their cause. You know, Jesse, I'm just going to throw this in. Communists are really committed to their cause, okay? Mm. They're more committed than us Christians are committed to the cause of Christ in a certain sense. Mm. That's the problem. Despite these massive black 
uh, backlashes, major corporations still promote ads, uh, products, and initiatives to mark Pride Month. For example, Walmart offers a collection of LGBTQ-branded products under the banner Pride and Joy. Abandoning the, the most hallowed business practices, companies are willing to take immense risk and lose billions of dollars. Even the God of money cannot help them from pursuing the healing, headlong rush to ruin. This is what's going on, Jess. What about the fear? Yeah, the only way to explain this shift is fear. Yeah. A woke corporate America is willing Mm -hmm. to forsake the God of money because it fears the greater yet more powerful woke God who demands total obedience and exclusivity. Yep. The this unnamed yet evil God creates the illusion that he rules everywhere. All must worship by acknowledging this rule, even if not in agreement. All must sacrifice self-interest and profits as an incense offering to this new God, lowercase g. Yeah. This public acknowledgement is not like the tribute that evil pays to good by virtue signaling. Instead, it is a contrary vice signaling that asks for complicity for every perversion, sin, and vice, Anyone who fails to appease this greater God can expect the worst treatment. Keep going, Jess. This next paragraph is good. For now, the new God tolerates the payment of tribute in which reluctant companies pay what is called rainbow washing. I never heard that term before till today. (laughs) They will go through the motions of support for the LGBTQ agenda in the hope of avoiding complete dimitude that means servitude or slavery Mm -hmm. however it is a vain hope as each new concession brings new demands many executives would prefer to avoid any moral stance altogether and continue to offer sacrifices to the old god of money however the new god of total liberation is a jealous one and will have no other gods before him there are no neutrals in this fight (laughs) thus the woke corporate world pays this tribute willingly seeing this new program as liberation from moral restraint the god of money uh, represents a past that must be toppled thus these firms live in the con in the contradiction of putting the power of their massive fortunes and prestige at the service of this of this new god who will destroy them terry and jesse will continue but they i see a connection among atheistic communists the same thing it caught Mm -hmm. look they went bankrupt communism in Russia, they didn't care. Mm-hmm. They just because they they said the cause is worth whatever sacrifice, and they're saying the same thing. It should be no surprise that a woke corporation world grooves before this new uh, god and his agenda. The new god of total liberation represents a brave new world that denies reality, perverts nature, and questions identity. Its dynamism comes not from forensic. In temperance of market ruled by the old God, but from the exul- t- exhilaration. Exhilaration, exhilaration of the unbridled passions that take the imagination to the wildest extremes. Mm. Now, thus, this new God promises freedom. Yeah, that's what, they, that's what communism said, too, Jess. Yeah. This new God promises freedom, but will deliver the worst of tyrannies, just like communism. It is no coincidence that... He appears together with satanic imagery since this is what inspires him. F- take it, Jess. A revolutionary process. Mm. The incoming 
of the new God is part of the revolutionary process mm -hmm. that has long rocked the West and destroyed social and moral structures that kept some semblance of order in society. Part of the ongoing culture war is the battle between these two gods. Yep. Thus, this new and stronger false god is not leaving the scene, nor can this fight be won by a return to the rule of the lesser deity of money who prevailed in the liberal order. The only way to victory, and I love this, it's great. Is, to is by having recourse to the true, true God, God. Yep. the creator of all, the Almighty, the Lord of God of hosts, God can return America to order, put pride and lust to flight, and topple the idols of the false gods that so oppress society. So, so what uh, me, Dr. Hor Dr. Horvath, what, he, what he's saying here is, is uh, okay, first America for many decades worshipped the god of money, Mammon. I get that. Right. Okay? Uh, you can see this, uh, again, with uh, what we would call this frenetic intemperance uh, to uh, to hyper capitalism or or or, or unbridled capitalism unbridled, unbridled which, with no gospel yeah yep. yeah with no bright no, no gospel principles yep but now this god of money has basically been replaced by this god of sexual perversion the god of the LGBT movement the god of the transgender movement which is satanic both both are satanic deities but this this sexual perversion deity that now uh, plagues America now hovers over America. It's really replaced the god of money. Americans yeah. for decades it was just about money, 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 money. Now this deity has blinded the minds of most Americans, and now most Americans are buying hook, line, and sinker into all this sexual perversion that comes from the LGBT movement, their events, and their products which targets everybody, especially toddlers. This is straight from the pit of hell. You know, Jesse, I'm going to tie this back to Paul VI. 55 years ago, the 25th of July, just a couple days ago, we celebrated 20, 55 years ago, he came out with a document on Himani Vitae. And because he said things that needed to be said uh, to our culture, he foretold all of the things that are going on in our culture today. And so why, why do I bring this up? Because the homosexuality is a fruit of not having um, the, your, your rationale on this. Pope Paul VI said, infidelity to moral decline. That was the first thing he prophesied to say. Lost respect for women. Yep. And abuse of power. Yep. And ultimate, ultimate, uh, unlimited dominion. Which is, you know, again, this is what the culture has done. It's taken a sacred act that God has given to a man and a woman inside marriage only, and now we've taken it to become recreational sex, whatever you want to have, two men, two girls, two whatever animals. This is where it's gone. Once you take the actual teaching of what Christ has taught for 2,000 years about marriage, and now you get it into the secular hands, this is what you get. You get debauchery. Yeah, and uh, and I'll tell you... Tell me. The, when you look at the Gospels, when you look at the, the words of Jesus Christ, yeah. Jesus says very strong things like, uh, you know, uh, but I say to you, whoever divorces his wife mm -hmm. causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Uh, divorce and remarriage may have been permitted under the Old Covenant. It's only because of the Israelites' sinfulness yeah. and their human Governance. weakness. Yep. Yeah, but in the, in the New Testament... 
remarriage is adultery. Yep. Ex- except St. Paul says on the grounds of unchastity and uh, if the person has uh, received an annulment, which basically says that there's no sacrament that took place. But apart from that, uh, a, a, a marriage, a sacramental marriage is indissoluble. And once we rejected that in the 60s, the indissolubility of marriage and the 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 teleos, the end yeah. result for intimacy, which That's is right. a unitive and procreative. Yep. Once we separated those two, yep. now we've opened the Pandora's box to every single sexual pathology known to man. Wow. When we come back, folks, put your seatbelt on. And we're going to be talking about documentation from a new book that shows inside the church from the Vatican down, they have an agenda that's not part of the deposit of faith. That's just as simple as I can say it. That's why we need to be praying these prayers that we're going to be putting out here at VMPR in defense of the deposit of faith. Reparation prayers. Stay with us. You'll know more about it when we come back here on the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We're back, Jesse. Let's talk about this uh, new book that's coming out, an evidence of Pope Francis using family senate to steer church to accept homosexuality. Wow. Mm-hmm. Let's get into this. So Dr. Frederick Martel, yep. Home, yep. the homosexual French author of the new book, In the Closet of the Vatican, <laughs> claimed in his chapter titled The Synod, how Pope Francis launched his secret plan to steer the church towards accepting adultery and homosexuality during the two synods on the family. So this is being written by somebody who's a homosexual. So it's not like somebody who's a... It's just, right, you know, but they right feel very comfortable. Yeah. Just yeah. these guys are comfortable to expose what they're doing to try and change it. This just wouldn't have happened 15, 20 years ago. And the reason they feel comfortable is because they control all the levers of power exactly. right in the church. Dr. Martel highlighted the crucial role in the synods of Cardinal Walter Casper, whom he numbers among the most, most openly and gay-friendly cardinals. Cardinal Lorenzo Baldessari is being quoted as saying about the driving force behind the synods that our line was essentially Casper's. Wow. So, wow. Ca- Casper was a shadow guy behind these synods. Incredible. So, Dr. Martel who, by the way, he's a, he's a homosexual, yeah. also claimed in this chapter that Pope Francis, with the help of Cardinal Casper, invited an author to write a book using St. Thomas Aquinas in an attempt to approve homosexual relationships and then had his book distributed to the participants of the Second Synod on the Family in 2015. Yeah. Yeah, these guys are brutal. They'll, they'll even misquote a doctor of the church just to make them uh, feel good about their, their sexual... Yeah. Pre- yeah. yeah, go ahead. Cardinal Baldessari told Dr. Martel that the method for the 2014 and 2015 sentence on the family was important. The Pope wanted to open doors and windows. Mm. The prelate explained, according to Martel, to Dr. Martel, uh, according to this method, the debate had to take place everywhere also in the diocese and among the faithful. The people of God had to choose. The, the cardinal is quoted as saying, 
Cardinal Baldessari is the Secretary General of the Senate of the Bishops and was placed into this position by Pope Francis in September of 2013. Let me jump in. Personnel is policy. You put people in charge of different things, and this is what the Vatican has done. And the personnel becomes the policy of the Vatican, which is Mm -hmm. very, very sad. Mm -hmm. Continue. This is a very good... This chapter from Dr. Martel's book is is especially significant because Dr. Martel himself, due to his own homosexual and left-leaning background, likely had more access than most other journalists to some of the organizers of the synods and to some of the close collaborators of the Pope, such as Cardinal Baldessari, Spadaro, and Casper. He often quotes the main actors in what he claims are verbatim statements. LifeSite News checked with several Vatican sources who were involved in the synods, some of whom consider this part of Dr. Martel's book to be reliable. The book in its entirety seems to be more reliable where Dr. Martel quotes those who are largely in line in line with his own homophilic views than when he deals with his homophobic opponents, opponents especially one well-placed source in Rome. Claiming that Cardinal Baldessari's gang are fast workers. Uh-huh. <laughs> Dr. Martel pointed out that even foolhardy Walter Casper announced publicly, even before the Synod, that homosexual unions, if they're lived in a stable and responsible manner, are respectable. Close quote. The French author claimed that one of the secretaries commissioned to write a draft of what later turned out to be a Morse Letizia. Yep, there you go. What? was a homosexual activist. Wow, incredible. Well, that's all it's all making sense now. Yeah. Dr. Martel claimed that Cardinal Baldessari revealed to him the heavy involvement of Pope Francis in the whole process of the two family synods. Francis came here every week. He quoted Cardinal Baldessari saying adding that he personally presided over the sessions where we debated the propositions. Dr. Martel claimed that the controversial paragraph in the draft document on the question of homosexuality, which spoke about the positive aspects of homosexual relationships. <laughs> is this microphone? I know. Uh, the positive aspects of homosexual relationships, but never received sufficient support from the group of Synod Fathers. It was deliberately added by Team Francis. Wow. Again, even though the... Even though it did not receive sufficient support from the Synod Fathers. At another place in this chapter, Dr. Martel stressed Casper's role during the two Synods and called him the brains of the Synod. He also stated, the fact remains that the preparatory text of the Synod following the Casper line and suggested a loosening of the Church's position on sacraments for divorcees and homosexuality. Wow. Yeah, lowering of the bar, that does anything except drive people out of the church. Yeah. Go ahead. The Vatican was now, was now willing, Dr. Martel continued, to acknowledge the qualities of young people living together, uh, remarried divorcees, and homosexual civil partnerships. These were the three main aspects of the reform agenda 
and the Francis Revolution. But check this out, Jesse. Pope Francis faced a lot of opposition within the Catholic Church's hierarchy and guys like us, among them being Cardinal Raymond Burke, uh, Cardinal Mueller, Cardinal Cafaro, who had earlier written together with other experts a book called, and I remember this, Remaining in the Truth of Christ. Interestingly, Martel claimed that Bozzari had the pamphlet sized before it could be delivered to the participants of the 2014 Senate on the Family. Much of what he's saying, Jesse, I'd already read all this in other sources. But this guy's putting it all together. Yeah, he's putting the story together. Yeah, and and we need to know this. Continue. The first synod on the family in 2014 was a battle. Yeah, sure was. Wrote Dr. Martel. He quotes Cardinal Basseri as saying, There was a consensus on everything except on the three sensitive issues. Three paragraphs had been rejected by the synod fathers in the end, and the Pope didn't get his quorum added uh, Dr. Martel. Yeah. Francis' revolutionary prob- pro- uh, product project on the family and homosexuality was defeated. I remember that. The Pope was annoyed yep. to have been blocked by the conservative cardinals of the Curia. Yep. Francis, who was being described by sources as hard-headed, vindictive, and authoritarian, yep. told his collaborators he would fight and launch a counter-initiative, claims Dr. Martel, the Pope thus needed to, pl- to develop a plan, and that, w- and that war would be largely secret, Dr. Martel said. Before you continue, Jesse, think about what the Holy Father has done in naming so many cardinals, especially just recently at the end of his pontificate. It's it, it, this statement that it makes it clear the Holy Father does not want what we would call orthodox cardinals to get in his way. He wants the more what we would call heterodox cardinals to change what they think they can change church teaching. You know, after speaking, he says, with Cardinal, sorry, with some of the collaborators, as well as with many cardinals, bishops, and nuncios, Martel claimed to be able to retrace Pope Francis' secret plan for the second synod on the family in 2015. There were three main mechanisms. Then at the Pope's disposal, according to Martel, first... The Pope could encourage a more modern debate around the world by means of a move of the Episcopates and the Catholic public opinion that was entrusted to Basari and his team. Second, he could sanction the cardinals who had humiliated him. Yep. And third, the Pope could change the composite composition of the College of Cardinals, which he's doing right now over he the did, long he, term. He did all three. He yes. did all three. Yes. Yeah. Continue, Jess. Sly and Cunning wrote Dr. Martel... Pope Francis would go on the offensive using these three techniques simultaneously with extraordinary speed and his opponents would say extraordinary vehemence. Yeah, he's a bully. Okay, That's That's how I see it. That's a simple blue-collar way of saying it. As the author further described it, a real war machine was set in motion. Using the nuncios, the allies, and friendly cardinals, everyone was mobilized. Traveling to many countries, the French author was able to follow this offensive in many countries. For example, there was a papal confidant, Archbishop Victor Emmanuel Fernandez from Argentina. We know who he is now. (laughs) Who had publicly announced that Pope Francis was aiming at irreversible reforms. And he then rebuked publicly, or publicly rebuked, Cardinal Mueller (laughs) back in 2015. In Uruguay, 
Archbishop Daniel Stula stuck his neck out as uh, just stuck a neck stuck his neck out just as suddenly expressing his opinion on the question of homosexuals. He would even go on to make a public a public contribution to the gay question in the synod. Yet another ally of the Pope, Cardinal Oscar Maraviaga, traveled around the capitals of Latin America, distilling Francis's thought in public, recruiting supporters, and informing the Pope about his opposition. He prepared the plans for battle. Cardinal Claudio Humes of Brazil also was recruited to help to help in this ideological war plan. With regard to the U.S., Dr. Martel claims that Francis then had allies in the country. Thus, he chose to rely on the three known gay-friendly bishops, Blaise Supich, Joseph Tobin, and Robert McElroy. Wow. These three were supported, were, these three supported the Pope, and two of them were rewarded by being appointed cardinals in 2016, while he, McElroy, would be made a full bishop during the synod processes. Well, guess what? He's a, he's a cardinal now as well. We'll continue, but yeah. remember, all of these men made a promise at the altar. To proclaim the deposit of faith. Let's pray for the Holy Father and all the bishops and priests that they may be faithful to that deposit of faith. When we come back, we'll continue on this topic. It's hard to talk about, but you know what? It's the facts. Stay with us, family. Yep. We'll be back with more. Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. Jesse, you're going to continue on this article, but this is an article everybody should have because you can name the prelates from the Pope down who you could be offering your prayers of reparation for because they need our prayers because what this is demonstrating, Jesse— that this was strategically done with oh, yeah. full consent of the will. Yeah. Continue, please. Speaking about Europe, the author claimed that Pope Francis sought allies and allied, allied himself with the most liberal cardinals like Reinhard Marx oh. and, and Christopher Schoenborn. Yep. In launching a series of grassroots debates on the ground, Dr. Martel wrote, the Pope put conservatives on the defensive. Yep. He cornered them to use, to use the word of a, of a priest who worked for the Senate and showed them that they were a minority in their own country. Francis continued his little his his little by little policy. The Pope's team was interested in intellectuals, in opinion formers, and therefore was needed was was to be needed a large and secret plan of communication. Father Antonio Spadaro was named by Martel as one of these masters of communication. Spadaro is the editor of the Vatican-approved journal La Civilta Católica. And about this, Dr. Martel wrote, Under Francis, the Jesuit journal has become a space for experimentation in which ideas are tested and debates launched. In 2013, Cardinal Spadaro, or Father Spadaro, published an interview with the Pope which sets out a roadmap for the coming synod. Already discussing the matter... Of, of sexual morality and the question of communion for remarried divorcees. Homosexuality, homosexuality was then also being publicly discussed by these two men and in the words that Dr. Martel called a genuine Galilean revolt. 
In the context of... Wait, wait, revolt or revolution? Yeah. Revolution. Oh, oh, revolution. Sorry about that. Revolution. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a communist word. Exactly. I keep telling you It's not a New Testament word. Thank you. Not a New Testament word. Yes. So, in the context of the preparation of the contested Second Family Synod, Dr. Martel claimed yet another plan that seemed to have been successful. Pope Francis commissioned an Italian-Dominican theologian, Father Adriano Oliva, to write a risky book in favor of the remarriage of divorcees and the blessing of homosexual unions. The book titled Amours, quotes St. Thomas Aquinas while speaking about a desirable change on the part of the magisterium concerning homosexuality. Oliva goes so far as to claim that homosexuality does not bear within it any illicitness. (laughs) As to the history of this book, Dr. Martel claims that Cardinal Baldessari told him that the Cardinal's team has sent Analysis requests to experts, including Brother Oliva, and even Oliva's own publisher, indicated the active role of Rome in this book project. Thus, Adriano Oliva has been welcomed at the Vatican by Baldessero, Bruno Forte, and Fabio Fabini. But even more, Martel claimed that Cardinal Casper, Walter Casper, described to him his own and Pope Francis's direct involvement in this project. Scandalous. Adriano Oliva came to came to see me here, wrote Dr. Martel, quoting Cardinal Casper. We talked. He has sent me a letter that I showed to the Pope. Pope Francis was impressed, and he asked Baldessari to order him a text to send to the bishops. I think, continued Casper, according to Martel, that was the text that became Amours. Martel added that Amours would be distributed during the Synod on the Pope's suggestion. The book was a weapon in an overall plan favored by the pontiff himself. As LifeSite reported, at this time, the book provoked a response from five Dominicans who rejected Oliva's claims. Oliva had set up an Italian blog with the explicit purpose of accompanying the Second Family Synod in 2015. Noteworthy, too, is that Oliva quoted in his book, Cardinal Casper's own 2014 book, The Gospel of the Family, several times. This book is the address that the German Cardinal had given in February of 2014 to the College of Cardinals, thus commencing the discussion of the now famous Casper proposal (laughs) concerning communion for remarried divorcees. Father Oliva, in a video presentation of his book, stated that he had studied the 2014 Synod discussions and that the two topics of remarried divorcees and of homosexual couples prominently stood out for him. Martel stated that Oliva's book had an effect in the church, he described how several cardinals and bishops told him that this book changed their vision of St. Thomas Aquinas and that it gave the impression that the prohibition on on homosexuality had definitely been lifted. According to Martel, Cardinal Casper stated that he had not yet succeeded in the church with his own promotion of the homosexual agenda, (laughs) not even at the Second Family Synod in 2015. Martel... (laughs) quotes Casper as saying, the path set out by Francis and the small step strategy is the right one. If you advance too quickly, as in the ordination of women or the celibacy of the priesthood, there will be a schism amongst Catholics. And I don't want that for my church. On divorcees, on the other hand, you can go further. I've, de- I've defended that idea for a long time. When it comes to re- recognizing homosexual couples, that's a more difficult subject. I've tried to move the debate forward at the Synod, but we weren't listened to. 
Francis found a middle way by talking to people about individuals and then very gradually he moved the lines. He is moving in his own rhythm, in his own way, but he has a goal. Oh, yeah. Did you hear that? I, he has a goal. Of course. And uh, that, that doesn't surprise me. I knew that from day one. It remains to be seen whether or not Pope Francis will not use the sex abuse summit that is starting today in Rome as an occasion to move the lines a little bit further towards the acceptance of homosexuality within the Catholic Church. Dr. Martel quotes Cardinal Casper saying about this, we will win. Well, they're persevered. They just keep going on. Go ahead. So LifeSite News reached out to different participants in the Second Family Synod for comments on Dr. Martel's claims. One source answered, and while not concretely remembering, Father Oliva's book is being distributed to the 2015 Synod Fathers who received so many materials. He did state, but it is very probable and fits well into the whole picture. This source said he considers this chapter of Dr. Martel to be a generally trustworthy account of what happened at the family synods. Yeah, and also LifeSite News did reach out to Cardinal Casper for comment, but so far you haven't heard a word from him, and they won't. Uh, Jesse, this is why I said at the beginning of the show we need to be making setting up prayers. We call it reparation prayers in defense of the deposit of faith. You know, we're not in management, we're in sales. Fulton Sheen said it. Who's going to save the church? The laity. How? Like, we're calling the Pope, the bishops, priests, to their fidelity, to the deposit of faith. They made promises when they were ordained. And uh, we want to um, hold them to that. And we want to do what Our Lady of Fatima said. Souls are going to hell because no one's there to pray and make sacrifices. Well, you know, easy to do. We can just... Uh, say forget it. We're not going to pray for the Holy Father or for the bishops and the cardinals. That's their problem. No, we love them, Jesse. We want to see them get to heaven. And the direction that this is going in is anything but heaven. It's it's a worldly view. And as Fulton Sheen said, we can't convince the world of anything if we become too worldly. The world will not even pay attention to us because we are one with them. And what the direction of this is going in. Is schism. I said it, Jesse. It's a schism. And and I'll tell you, Terry, something else about what we're seeing right now play out. Tell me. It reminds me of the words of Fulton Sheen. Here's what he said. Tell me. He said said the following quote. The false prophet will have a religion without a cross. That's right. A religion without a world to come. In other words, we're only thinking about this world, not the world to come. A religion... To destroy religions. Look at this. Well said. There will be a counterfeit church. We have it. Christ's church will be one, and the false prophet will create the other church. The false church will be worldly, ecumenical, yep. and global. Yep. It will be a loose federation of churches and religions, forming some type of global association a world parliament of churches. This reminds me, Terry, of the of the Abu Dhabi. That's right. Uh, the three Dining, churches, yeah. a Catholic church, a Muslim mosque, and a Jewish synagogue, all on the same property, all facing each other, yep. all sharing the same space. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, syncretism, the, man. One religion is as good as the other. Come on. That's not what the Catholic church teaches, yeah. Jess. Now, well, Fulton Sheen called this the Global uh, Association, a World Parliament of Churches, a Loose Federation of Religions. But Sheen said, 
it will be emptied of all divine content. Wow. Why? It will be the mystical body of the Antichrist. Wow, the mystical strong. body of the Antichrist. Fulton Sheens also says Satan will set up a counter church. Yep. A counter church will be the ape of the true church. Yep. It will have all the notes and characteristics of the church, but in reverse and emptied of its divine content. Let me tell you something, Terry. Tell me, Jeff. If there's a time when Fulton Sheen's words are more relevant yeah. than any other time, it's right now. Yeah. This article from LifeSite News, yeah. what it's re- describing is that counter church Fulton Sheen prophesied about that will be set up by Satan that counterfeit church set up by the false prophet, and I think we're seeing it right now. Oh, no question color. about it. Yeah, and Bishop Athanasius Snyder quotes that on page uh, 246 on his book uh, he, by uh, you know about the infiltration that you know we're having in the church. So Fulton Sheen was spot on. But what can we do, folks? We can pray. We can make sacrifices. Our leaders need our prayers. What did Monsignor George Kelly say, Jess, in that book back in the late 70s? Where's the church going? Where its leaders take them. So we need to get down on our knees. We're going to be here at our Sacred Heart Chapel on the 2nd of September from 12 noon to 3 o'clock in the afternoon having prayers of reparation for these kinds of sacrileges. You can't name it any other way because what they're doing is they're undermining the deposit of faith. They're doing just the opposite of what they should be doing. And let's be honest, Jesse, you said it the other day. You know, uh, we quoted Benedict the Sixteenth saying that, oh no, it was, it was Bishop Strickland who said it. Well, of course, he said that the worst, uh, the worst attacks from the Catholic Church come from within. And this is really an attack on the Catholic Church, what you just demonstrated, Jesse. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an attack. This, this is uh, what we're seeing, Terry, is a new religion without a cross. Yep. We're seeing... Uh, syncretism. Yep. And uh, and we've been yep. warned about this. Uh, but but Terry, we were born for such a time. I love it. This is our Joshua 24 <laughs> moment. Remember As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Remember, Catholics, we serve the Virgin Most Powerful. She's a 12-star general. Never forget that. Amen. Pray your rosary every day. Live in a state of grace. Read your Bible every day. And by doing so, you wound and inflict pain and torment and drive demons away from you and your family. Unite your prayers to the heels of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Unite your prayers to the sword of St. Michael the Archangel. And continue delivering powerful blows to the kingdom of darkness. And tear down the gates of hell, which are modernism, Marxism, and masonry. Sign me up, Jess. Sign everybody up. Let's be part of this solution through our prayerful actions because we can we can participate in the salvific work of jesus christ by our prayers we got dr sandoval up next you won't want to miss it stay with us here at virgin most powerful radio